0: reading short and deep Hi, I'm Jesse And I'm Eric And today we're reading Short and Deep Breakout by Donald E. Westlake This was first published in Ed McBain's mystery book number three I can't believe that we have only done three other Westlakes on this podcast I just thought it was impossible. Um, But we have. We've done uh, Or Give Me Death, a short story. We did Travelers Far and We, another short story. And we just had Knackles, another short story. But now we're doing something that might not be a short story. When I I got this magazine, the scan of it, I was very excited because it had both. um, Now The magazine's called Ed McBain's Mystery Book Number 3. It had both a Lawrence Block, one of my favorite authors, and a Donald Westlake, one of my favorite authors. And I'm like, this is this is terrific. And then I I read the block and we did a show on it. And then I read the Westlake and I'm what is this special report? And it it's more like an article than it is like a story. But uh, I think it's framed as an article as well. It says special report as to, as opposed to short stories or novelettes. Um, but you're a little less sure than I am that it's an article. There's no uh, yeah. main character, for example, <laughs> unless it's Westlake himself.
1: That's what I was going to say. Uh, the, the main character may be the, the narrator.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: In which um, case I would well,
0: agree it might be very much like a story or an essay. I don't
1: know. It's really interesting. It's, uh, well, (laughs) it is. Um, So it's originally published in 1961. When it is republished, um, it comes out as an, an episode of Vice. And it's called The Hows and Whys of Prison Escape, Mm -hmm. Um, the true crime issue of vice from 2014. Wow. So somebody remembered it or retrieved it somehow Mm -hmm. and is packaging it in our current era as if it were the truth. But in fact, um, you know, all of the words in pretty much every nonfiction piece that I've ever written are in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. So the fact that what we're reading here today is composed of pieces, which one might think of as true, doesn't necessarily mean that what we're reading here, is factual i'd I'd go so far as to say at least we ought to think of this as a philosophical essay shading over to what one considered to be you know those called philosophique the philosophical tales um that we get from say voltaire now when when we read those in science fiction you know you may have something like uh where this guy comes from Jupiter and is huge and comes down to earth and he sees things and has his own unusual perspective, which is significant for us. Um, that's clearly fantastic in that we don't get people from, from Jupiter. This piece um, uses elements, word blocks, historical references of things that, that did exist more or less mm-hmm. um but I still think there's some other axe to grind here
0: yep uh, i i I kind of think of like this is this is almost like sitting down at a table with a guy who just did a ton of research and he tells you a story about all the things that he's he's studied, and he has a philosophical position based on on what he's seen, and he's reflecting upon it. Uh, on his own life and how he will proceed with his own life. And then he uses that material, you later subsequently find out, uh, to tell stories. So this is early in Westlake's career. And he uh, later, much later in life, one of his last books is entitled breakout. Um, (laughs) and it is a a book in a series and it has, it's a prison escape, but that's only part of the book. Um, And he references prison escapes in many of his other books. Um, He is a crime writer. Um, But he's writing about, it's so interesting. The thesis here seems to be, uh, like, it's about penology, (laughs) the study of, you know, prisons, and and the theories of how we should engage uh, with criminals and how they should engage with, uh, what society thinks of them and how how to integrate their genius into into society better, which is pretty funny because I think Westlake is he's flirting with the ideas of being a criminal himself. Not that he is committing crime, but he is getting away with something by being a professional writer as opposed to you know being an insurance salesman. He. Mm-hmm. That's
1: professional underwriter. (laughs)
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, And so uh, as a person who's very familiar with his writings, I've read a lot of his books and I love his stuff. Um, I see a lot of interesting things going on here that are not about the, the particular histories of some particular prison escapees, which is what it seems that at first blush this article is about or story is about.
1: Right. Yeah, I think. Well, I, I have some specific thoughts about that too. Let's just review what what we have here in this in this uh, piece. Uh, breakout begins with a, a terrific opening line, uh, and you don't know, of course, at this point whether it's fiction or nonfiction or a philosophical essay or philosophical tale. Um, Alcatraz is probably the toughest and best-known prison in the United States, long considered an impregnable, escape-proof penitentiary. Now, that's a. Ter- I think that's a terrific opening sentence. Yep. Um, it tells us that we are going to be worrying about. You know, it begins with A. A is for Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to. Be, we're going to. Think of. Clearly, the anticipation of escapes, right, mm-hmm. considered an impregnable escape proof penitentiary means that, well, of course, someone must have been able to escape it. And that's the, the escapes are what we're going to have here, especially since the, the title of the piece as first published was Breakout. Mm-hmm. Now, in addition to that, he's telling us that Alcatraz is the best known prison in the United States. And that is, in fact, not necessarily true. Um, it, it may be now, but 1961, it may not have been true, uh, because, uh, the whole publishing industry and the media, the center of the media world was much more New York centric than California centric way back then. And Sing Sing, because of its unusual name, mm-hmm. um, and its proximity to New York may well have been the most famous prison. Uh, in the in the United States. Uh, notice I use the word prison. The word penitentiary, which I'm sure Westlake understood, is really an American uh, invention. It it it's different from prison, which comes from a word meaning to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's different from jail. Mm-hmm. It means a place where one can think on one's errors. Do penitenti Exactly. Right so this notion as you to use your term uh, Jesse this notion that penology ought to be aimed toward penitence um that's really fascinating this story has or the piece i should say gives us one example after another of breakouts but we, the assertion occurs repeatedly that everyone challenged by the assertion, you cannot break out, will turn his imagination toward breaking out. Mm -hmm. I think that's a questionable assertion, but it never gets questioned in this piece. No. We're also told that if we could, in fact, challenge people to think of ways to engage in society, to borrow again from you, Jesse, perhaps by being an author you know who can pick <laughs> their pockets right um, if we could challenge people to think of ways to function in society instead of challenging them ways to escape back you know out of prison back in you know into society they might in fact do much better so after a series of uh, mini stories about important breakouts important escapes um The penultimate story um, is um, one that goes back historically to show us this tremendous, tremendous uh, possibility of um, someone who escapes repeatedly. And then the ultimate has to do with another prison, Chino State in California, um, which is, we would say in, in modern terms, much like Norway's penal system. You know, you, it's it's really easy. You could mm-hmm. just walk away if you wanted to. And what happens is, we're told in this piece, without being challenged to leave, people stay. And they, they learn skills in, in prison. And then they go out and go back into society. And then there's a kicker at the end. Um, So there are which I'll get to in a moment. So we've bookended this between Mm -hmm. two California prisons, one which is tough, isolated, shrouded in fog. Nobody can get out. Alcatraz, Mm -hmm. um, which I've visited, by the way. Interesting place. Um, And the other set on the land. You could just walk away. Chino. Okay, In between. What do we get? First, we get uh, the story of Theodore Cole, Ted Cole, mm-hmm. um, who escaped uh, from an Oklahoma prison, and we get the story of his escapes. Um, the thing is that uh, if you look up Ted Cole, who's a real a real person, mm-hmm. um, it turns out that uh, who did escape from Alcatraz, it turns out that he escaped with another uh, inmate mm-hmm. named Rowe. So, Cole and Roe both escaped; neither were ever found, and they are presumed to have drowned. Mm-hmm. The method of escape, having gotten through a wall and out onto the beach and so on that that uh, Westlake reports is accurate. but then Westlake tells us that his friends found him in the boat, they right. brought him ashore, and you know, and the only way Westlake could know that if this were historical is if cole eventually you know had memoirs or it was interviewed or whatever mm-hmm. but the reality is cole didn't escape alone and he never seems to have been found and so um this is a problem because this looks like westlake is consciously turning fact into fiction which is what one does with historical romance mm-hmm. and you have to ask why does he do this um it's also strange that he begins with this because one of his theses is that people who escape from prison are caught again and again because they put so much effort into thinking about how to escape, but almost no effort <laughs> into thinking about how to stay out. Mm-hmm. And he, he hits that, he, he does. plucks that string repeatedly. But the very first example he gives is somebody who never went back. And it's, it's interesting that he allows himself to do it. Then he gives us some others. He gives us the story of a man who breaks out of one prison so that he could go to the other prison where his wife is incarcerated to get her out because she has this terrible fear of dying in prison. And she has TB and he gets her out. And, uh, in fact gets her to be able to die a free woman or it's to say an unconfined woman. Um, but then he is ultimately, uh, gotten back again, um, and is recaptured. Uh, he, he goes on and eventually gives us this historical example of someone who, uh, Jack Shepard from the 18th century, a who high we're told, uh, highwayman indeed. Um, and, and we get very colorful descriptions of all of these, these escapes and so on. It's really quite lovely. Um, as writing goes, we know much more in this 18th century, account of 18th century escape, than I can imagine Westlake <laughs> would have known. And one of the reasons I think that it's more than he could have known is that, again, if I trust the secondary sources I have access to, he escaped four times. But Westlake says he escaped only three times. So three is a much nicer number for telling fairy tales. Um, Westlake is willing to change the facts to tell this story. So then, um, he tells the story, you know, he contrasts all of these people who just have to get out. You know, um, he goes right from Jack Shepard to the story about Shino and, uh, then what he tells us is this. This is how the, the whole piece ends. Here is the core of the problem. The tougher the prison officials make their prison, the more they challenged Shepard and told him that this time he couldn't escape, the more determined and daring the ingenious Shepherd became. This misdirected genius was never more evident than in the 10-man escape from Walla Walla prison, uh, State Penitentiary in Washington State in 1955. The escape route... Um, was a tunnel under the main wall, but one tunnel wasn't enough for them. They also had tunnel routes between their cells so they could communicate and pass materials and information back and forth when they were captured, which in the traditional manner didn't take very long at all. The full extent of their ingenuity and daring was discovered. Each of the 10 carried a briefcase containing a forged draft card, business cards, and so on. Okay, so everybody comes up. Then we get to Chino, And Shino offered no challenge at all. And yet, Shino has had practically no escapes at all. So there is this wonderful thing about how Shino works so well. The challenge at Shino and at other prisons constructed from much the same philosophy is far different. You should not escape from here. And when you know why society demands that you are here, you won't need to escape. You'll be released. Both challenges demand of the prisoner what he think that he think, that he use his mind, his wit and his imagination. but whereas the one challenge encourages him to think along lines that will drive him yet farther from society, the other challenge encourages him to think along lines that will adjust him to society No matter which challenge it is, there was will always be men to accept it. As the warden at Walla Walla State Penitentiary, from which the ten convicts escaped with their forged card bulging briefcases, inadvertently proved back in 1952, he gave the prisoners a special dinner one day in that year in honor of the fact that one, a full year had gone by without the digging of a single d- tunnel. Three days later, during a normal shakedown, the guards found a tunnel 100 feet long. <laughs>
0: It is very so, story-ending, right?
1: It, it, it is, you know, but the story in it, three days, you know, I mean, come on, how about hiding in the cave for three days or, mm-hmm. and then being resurrected? Three days later, a normal shakedown means just our usual, you know, examination of what's going on in the cells. They found a tunnel 100 feet long. That's an exact number as mm-hmm. well, like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And they found a tunnel that is the escape had been thwarted. So in Washington, In Washington, at Walla Walla State Penitentiary, people keep trying, whereas in Chino, which we've seen just before, they stop trying. We get out of California to show that this fails. The bookends of this story are Alcatraz and Chino. Now, I would point out to you, there is a psychological motive here, and I'm going to turn you loose in just a second, but I would like to say this. Donald Westlake is a Brooklyn boy, mm-hmm. and he spent almost his entire adult life living somewhere in New York State or other. Mm-hmm. Uh, he happened to die on vacation in Mexico, but he was living in New York at that time. New York has its own very special, famous prison, mm-hmm. Sing Sing, mm-hmm. and it has famous escapes. And in fact, in one of its most famous escapes, guards were killed. That made me think back about this story or piece. In all of the escapes that we have in this piece, no one is ever hurt. There's no violence. Zero. And it's set in sunny California, never once near the the New York environment in which Westlake grew and worked. It seems to me that this is a fairy tale about the relationship between people and society again and again, as with Jack Shepard and as with uh, as another fellow named Carol, we see that he, he's the one who went to get his wife out. Mm-hmm. We see the, the true grit and talent of these imprisoned people who, for whatever reason, were imprisoned. They're none of them seem to be terrible people the way they're described, but they have real human feelings real human feelings I think that breakout is a story about how society should cherish its criminals and see them in a much sunnier light it looks like it looks like uh, an essay it looks like uh, a book report on famous Mm breakout but when you look at what's structured what's in there and all that's left out I think it's something else entirely
0: yeah, it is. It was odd because I I know him as a fiction writer. He has written essays. Um, he wrote one nonfiction book, and yet his philosophy is all over the page of his books. He uh, his website, which I believe is still up, um, run by his son uh, Paul Westlake, uh, had a weird click through at the beginning back in the early days of. Of the web, you know, you, you said, welcome to my website, you click the button, and there would be a quote there, and I didn't understand it until relatively recently, the quote was, I believe my subject is bewilderment but I could be wrong and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, I believe that is, he thinks like some interviewer must have asked him, what do you write about Mr. Westlake? And the thing is, is reading Westlake, you know, he's classified as a crime writer, I guess. But that's a very bad description of the what he writes. He doesn't write mysteries. He has written mysteries, but he doesn't write mysteries. And he doesn't really write about crime either. It's just there's crimes happening in the stories. He's more like a philosophical writer who uses crime, or sometimes science fiction or fantasy, to express... Ideas about how to live in the world, and I believe that's exactly what's going on here. He is empathizing with these, like it's like he did a book report, right? He read all these historical things, and then he says, "How do I think about this?" And so he has like throughout this these incidents, he has a number of like philosophical sides, and here's one. This is on page seventy-three of this special report. Accepting society's challenge in his own antisocial way is second nature to the habitual criminal. And I'm thinking about him reflecting on himself, right? He's not actually a a criminal, but he feels like he is. The desire for freedom is strong in most men, and perhaps it is stronger in those who have, by the commission of crime, tried to free themselves from the restraints of society's laws. The The much harsher and more complete restraint of a narrow prison cell and an ordered repetitive existence within the prison walls, plus the challenge of being told that escape from this prison is impossible, increase this yearning for freedom to the point where no risk seems too great. If only there is the possibility of freedom, no matter what the builders of the prison have claimed, the imaginative and determined prisoner can always find somewhere in a piece of wood or a rusty nail or in the manner of the guard shift changes this slim possibility that just might end in freedom. And he goes on to tell the, I think the most interesting anecdote in uh, this many interesting aned- anecdote uh, of history story of talking about this one guy who has to escape from a prison using you know, a, a rusty nail, and he's sick, and he's <laughs> chained, and he's, and he climbs up. Uh, you know, he digs uh, using a broken link. He breaks through a, an old sealed, uh, fireplace, and then he climbs up the chimney, and he finds himself in another room behind a locked door. There's like six doors he goes through, and he spends hours and hours. And as he keeps going through these impossible places, he ends up. Uh, realizing, oh, I, there's, a fi- there's a final drop. I, I'll break my leg, and then I'll be st- back in prison. So he goes back down all the way through all these passages to get his final tool, which is his blanket from his bed. And he climbs back up, and he goes through all these doors, and then he tears the blanket into shreds and makes a ladder to climb down. And then he goes home to visit with his, with his mom and get drunk. <laughs> the point of that story is it's it's all long and drawn out because he's using whatever scraps he has to create an escape. And I feel like that's how Westlake writes, too. He takes all these little scraps of ideas and thoughts and what-ifs and puts them all together into a story that he somehow manages to pull off. And it's the greatest Mm -hmm. crime ever. You get paid for telling lies. Wow, (laughs) amazing! And uh, it's funny that he's projecting this onto, you know, historical figures. But I also think he's got a point. I think that there is something to this idea, and that's why the pinology in in Norway or whatever and in Chino uh, is. is a different, it, it sort of frustrates the idea of all these, remember these movies like The Great Escape and uh, Escape from Alcatraz, right? Where you see Clint Eastwood reenacting one of these crimes, right? Or um, there's a, The Birdman of Alcatraz. There's so many prison escape movies. And sometimes they're heroes because they're, they're the allies escaping from a Nazi prison, right? So we mm-hmm. have these sympathies with with people who are locked up, and is yearning for freedom. And in fact, it is the escape that is the good thing, not the getting back into society, because at the end of what I think a lot of people think is one of the greatest movies of the 20th century, at the end of The Great Escape, most of the escapees don't actually get away, right? They, they get out, but they don't actually get get home to England and rejoin the war and that idea of, of it is the ingenuity of man inside of the limitations um, is something to be delighted by, is not normally what people think of when they think of prison,
1: right? So there's a 1941 book by Eric Fromm, um, very powerful book, uh, I think, in terms of its insight. It's called Escape from Freedom. Mm. Escape from Freedom. And his argument, this is published in 41. This is you know, before the U.S. goes to war. Um, this is a book that argues that he sees in general and certainly in the 20th century that people really can't handle freedom, that people would rather have other decisions made for them. That people would rather that there be a God, the Father, who Mm. tells them what to do. That the rise of fascism um, is an appeal to people who want to escape from freedom. Mm. They don't want full responsibility. They Mm. would like someone to say, here are the two or three health plans that we approve. Pick one of those. Mm -hmm. Not go out and learn everything about this and do it on your own. Freedom is, in fact, scary. Yes, and, and and he argues that at that same period, conformism, um, which was the name that we gave it in the 50s in the United States, was equally an attempt to escape from freedom. What Westlake is doing here is making the hero of the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. The hard-boiled detective is heroic, even though the hard-boiled detective, or perhaps because... He violates the law himself mm-hmm. when he when he punches the, a confession out of uh, a suspect. He's breaking the law. Mm-hmm. He is escaping freedom in order to maintain our freedom. the the, the Western hero um, who settles the hash of the bad guys to save the good guys, but then gets out of town. He's our hero, although he is a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. And what we have at the end of this story, three days later, <laughs> you know, the newly risen, three days later during a normal shakedown, guards found a tunnel 100 feet long. The The antiheroes were trying to get out again. But ultimately, we don't want to escape from freedom. We want to know that the prisoners, the prisons can keep the bad guys locked up. And donald westlake can make his living as a creative writer by writing something that comes close enough to the expectations of society that someone will pay him for it Mm
0: -hmm. and the way he tells these stories these are not just dry recitations of fact they are plotted stories this is this uh, this is uh from page 75 again Uh, He's setting us up, and we're like, oh, what's he going to do with that? It took him five months to get his plan completely worked out. Finally, shortly after dark, the night of July 27th, he drove up to the high outer wall of the prison in a second-hand car he had bought recently. This is when uh, Carol is breaking his wife out of her prison after he's breaking into prison after breaking out of his own prison. Um, on the 27th, he drove up to the high outer wall of the prison in a second-hand car he'd bought recently. In the car were a ladder, a hacksaw, a length of rope, a bar of naphtha soap, and a can of cayenne pepper. <laughs> like, what's he going to do with the soap? What's what's the cayenne pepper for? How is this going to help? And, of course, he they
1: pay off. Everything Which is worth it, I think. Absolutely. I think I think it's wonderful that you have this story posted on the website because it's too long for us to have read today. But but reading those details Mm. really raises that the question is this is this a work of fiction or is it a work of fact using the tools of fiction Mm. or is it neither? Is it in fact a, a philosophical argument that masquerades? as an historical report because Westlake really wishes the world made a place for people who who sought true freedom, but he knows that uh, you, you can't make it on your own. Staying out in society is a lot harder than getting back out to society. Uh, the outer world is a prison for all of us. Mm-hmm. We just don't tend to think of it that way. But when you do, as I think Westlake is prompting us to do, you'll find out that in looking at that world we all inhabit, there's always more to say.
0: Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for reading short and deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash audio.